Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to change the landscape of podcasting as you know it in professional wrestling. This is the Game Changer Podcast. Featuring the greatest asset to come out of Canada, the legendary Mr. Fritz. As well as featuring yours truly, the game changer, Nate the Effin' Great. Change the game one day at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ready, let's do this. This is your pool party captain, Randy Fitzsimmons, and you're listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Pew, pew! Let me tell you something, brothers. It's no, nothing's more awkward than having this song just 
playing on your phone, walking in and having your family just stare at you, being like, "What is? What are you playing?" Welcome to the Game Changer Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am indeed your host, Nate the Effing Great. We are a part of Russell Attic Radio, and I'm very proud to be joined here by someone who could be one of the best Americans, the Rated Bar Blooper Star, Mr. Fred. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Here in the Great White North, we are nothing but real Canadians. Maple syrup sucking, beer drinking, hockey loving, brothers, sisters, and everyone in between, brother. Ah, oh my gosh. Once you started playing Real American, I, I had to inject a little bit of dose of, of the Maple Leaf. Not the Maple Leafs, who actually won tonight, thank you. <laughs> and I have to do this for, well, uh, although, King, although King Ricky says fuck him every week, cheers to you, Slack. Hey. <laughs> oh man, honestly, I don't, I don't know how I don't know how he goes throughout his day saying that my name is Slack. It's it's amazing. So I'll give him his you know, I'll give I'll give him credit for you know keeping that name strong. Just uh, just enjoy you know all the major puns that are just gonna come your way. Like oh, we need a little bit of slack. We need to put a little slack in it. What a slacker. Sorry, that's the best three that I got off the top of my head. Just don't mind me. Uh, so, guys, for those of you that probably have not guessed, we are going to be doing a different format when it comes to the Game Changer podcast because we definitely do want to give a little more variety here on Wrestle Attic Radio. So, we're going to be talking about game-changing moments, personalities, as well as events that definitely change the landscape in professional wrestling. And honestly, it's very hard to overlook this. We are kicking off strong, talking about Hulkamania, brother, brother, brother. So, honestly, guys, I think that it's really great. Well, okay, let me just preface this on saying this, that we are really more focusing and as well as praising uh, Hulk Hogan, the character, as well as Hulkamania, the concept. Uh, Terry Blea, the real-life person, he's uh, a piece of work, really. I'm just going to... State that right now. I'm trying to keep it a little bit PC, but at the same time, I gotta spit truth at that because, yeah. But no, let's go, let's go into the positive things. Let's talk about Hulk Hulkamania and Hulk Hogan actually pinpointed a date, which I believe was uh, January 26, 1984, where he says the day Hulkamania was born. Yes, he said it exactly like that. I I want you to go back to the interview and try to tell me that he didn't say it like that. Uh, that was the day that he defeated the Iron Sheik. He started just talking about, you know something, Meiji? It's the dream of the lifetime, brother. He talks about Hulkamania, running wild. And honestly, from there, it definitely did feel like it was something that was going to be very special. He definitely changed you know, the way he looked because he was in AWA. And, you know, actually, it's crazy. Before he got into AWA, he did work a couple matches with WWF. Uh, back in 90, actually, it was uh, 1983, 1982, something like that. So, Wait, 79, man. It, oh, 70, wow, jeez, I'm way off. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I forgot to write up my notes, but I do know at least the stuff that happens after this. So, honestly, guys, what's really cool about this is that we have somebody here who's actually kind of lived 
the power of Hulkamania, and it's really good that we have him here, and that being the one and only Mr. Fretz. I do believe that you had some great memories as far as being a Hulkamaniac back in the day. I had really? enough older fam- friends and family or people in my grade who were. Well, I was born, like, literally three months after Hulkamania. I was born April 23rd, really? 1984. Oh, okay. So, I guess you can say I might. Now there's going to be a Hulkamania birth something joke, but <laughs> it, 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 it's not, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find it. I, I, I worked today on my day off. Extra hours, extra money. I'm good. <laughs> but I had, uh, I've, I've mentioned him many times that he was the, ma- the man who kind of got me into wrestling. And that's my cousin Johnny. Shout out to John. Johnny! Uh, who was a giant Hulkamaniac like in the 80s whenever we had family functions. Or I think I've told you about uh, we used to have a family business, like a butcher shop thing. Oh, yeah. I think I do remember that. Yeah, well, that would be my uncle, so my cousin's dad, obviously, and uh, it, it, it's, it's the same one, you know, the of the same family of you know my aunt who just passed on. So it's 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 all there. So I would go to the butcher shop with my dad on weekend mornings, and we go and feed the pigs and tie up any loose ends. Like I used to bag jerky and all that kind of fun stuff. Sorry, sorry, my, 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 I got uh, distracted by the dogs again. <laughs> uh, rough, rough. I know, they, it's, they, a ru- it's a rough, rough life. <laughs> for us. <laughs> it's a rough, rough life for us. Uh, Jeez, are we going into an Annie deal? My God. Well, I mean, it would be good practice because I'm going to try out for the Wizard of Oz next month. Side note. Um, that has nothing to do with Annie at all. But um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, my good mm-hmm. sir friends. Please continue. That's okay. I was picturing more uh, Doctor Evil and Mini Me. But. <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're just two random dudes talking about Hulkamania, and we bring in Austin Powers into the situation. Well, it was kind of getting popular at the time. Uh, so, with with Hulkamania, you know, it started off as indeed this focal point and what turned the tide for professional wrestling because ever since he won the title. You know, they changed his look, they changed his attitude, they changed how it was. You know, he got the red and yellow, and he, you know, started talking about the three, like, amendments or three commandments, no, demandments, there we go, that he had in life, which was, you know, better start training, say, you know, take your vitamins and say your prayers, which, you know, at first it's kind of cool. The fact that, you know, this is one of the first wrestlers who definitely did kind of really try to be like a role model and basically... Just say, hey, this is how you got to live life. You got to do these th- things. So that's actually really cool that he was able to do that. Uh, people would definitely say that it's because of the popularity of Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania that helped him, that helped you know WWF get the first WrestleMania going. And to be honest, he did play a pretty big part. He was he, a he was in the main event with Mr. T taking on uh, Roddy Roddy Piper as well as Paul, Paul Orndorff. And in all honesty, I gosh, I think we still we still got to watch that show. I, I think that there's going to come a day where I'm going to have to watch WrestleMania one because I've not seen that at all. Uh, we are going to try to also talk a bit about uh, WrestleMania three because that was definitely a turning point. But we'll get into that in just a bit. Uh, but let me ask you this, Mister Fritz: Had 
Hulkamania not reach the popularity that it did, could they have still done a still done a WrestleMania? I I'm not sure. I think having some kind of wrestling extravaganza, a pay per view event, is something that might have been on the mind of of Vince McMahon. But I think the one thing that played a role in this was uh, the rock and wrestling connection. Of course, that would involve you know the likes of Cindy Lauper, you know, because uh, Captain Lou Albano was in the music video for "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." I think he was in another from her, but I'm I'm not entirely certain. But if the Hulkamania and the Rock and Wrestling connection are all the things that helped wrestling usher into the mainstream, because if you go back as far as I'm going back as far as Lou Fez, Carl Gotch, George Hackenschmidt. Uh, if these are names, kids, that you are not familiar with, uh, get familiar with them. Gorgeous George, there's another. Uh, Gene Kaninsky. Legends and icons in this industry who belong in the pro wrestling Mount Rushmore. Like, all of these people. Uh, in those times, uh, pro wrestling was more of a Kind of a sideshow attraction, kind of a, you know, carnival, something at the fairgrounds. It wasn't treated as seriously as, say, boxing was back in the day, like, you know, Ollie and Fraser and, uh, and all those. You know, there were boxers that kind of went into a bit of the wrestling. I think there was Muhammad Ali and Tony Inoki. I, I, I might be mistaken, I might be... Uh, I might be going off on a wrong trail here, but I think, had, well, had Hulkamania not happened, I don't think we would have seen rock and wrestling. I don't think we would have seen celebrity invo- involvement, although two years previously to WrestleMania one, Hulk Hogan was a, uh, not a star, but he had a brief cameo in Rocky three as Thunderlips. And that's where he met, I think he would have met Mr. T on the set, so maybe they develop some kind of friendship there but it all intertwines and within itself so it's like Hulkamania and and uh and rock and wrestling I think without those two you might have had Wrestlemania one but it would not have been anywhere nearly as successful as it was no I, I think I think you're definitely right I think you definitely hit a lot of the main points on the head I don't think I can really add on to that you're pro- yeah, I think you're definitely right when it comes to that. Uh, but that didn't stop them from trying to do experimental stuff. Um, now, obviously, with Hulk Hogan, he did have to have some kind of uh, manner with his wrestling. And it is one of those things where you see it kind of, not age as well throughout the years, but back in the day, uh, Hulk Hogan was very synonymous for doing this uh, sequence of moves. So basically, he would kind of take a finishing move, he would go down for a two count, then he would pop up, people would start start kind of, you know, you know, hitting him in the head, and he would just start shaking his head. He would start feeling the power. He They would go for a second punch, and then he's just right waving his arm. He's just shaking his arms. He's shaking his head. Third hit, Francis was kind of doing it. You points at him. Hogan fights back. He hits the big boot, and then he hits the leg drop. One, two, three. That's it. But to be honest, for its time, it worked out immensely. It's one of those things where, yeah, nowadays it doesn't age very well. I mean, you talk about another person who used that. John Cena was definitely one of those guys 
who kind of picked up on that, and people definitely say that he's kind of like the modern-day Hulk Hogan. To be fair, he is probably a little bit more successful than Hulk Hogan, especially when it comes to the movies. That's just my thought, though. Um, but what really made Hulkamania definitely something to, a force to be reckoned with was a lot of the matches that he was having. He was having mat- great matches with Piper, with Cowboy Bob Orton, Paul Orndorff, uh, the following year, he would battle against King Kong Bundy in a steel cage match at WrestleMania 2. But the gravest challenge and the biggest challenge of Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania would take place at the Pontiac Silverdome, WrestleMania 3, against Andre the Giant. And honestly, it is one of the best built and kind of created stories that you can have from WrestleMania main event. It basically starts about, it just, out of pure jealousy, Hulk Hogan was getting a trophy celebrating the fact that he was getting, you know, that he was a champion for three years, which, you know, hasn't happened really since Bruno San Martino and stuff like that. So he had this giant trophy, and Andre the Giant was also celebrating the fact that he was undefeated in WWE for, I think it was 15, 17 years? Okay, in quotations, undefeated for that for that many years. But I think they said it recognized by WWF like 15, 17 years or something like that. And unfortunately... Andre's trophy was a uh, well. What's the what's the word I would look uh, use for this? Uh, insert Seth Rollins penis measurement meme here. Fair enough. I was gonna I was gonna say adequate, but that's even funnier. So we'll we'll insert that part in. Um, this caused Andre to basically just kind of walk off, and Hoke's just like, "Well, what's going on? Maybe he just needs time to kind of you know brew off some steam, stuff like that." He would come back on an episode of Piper's Pit with the greatest manager of all time, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and he would go on to say, I want to challenge you for a heavyweight championship match at WrestleMania. This would, of course, spark the whole deal where Hogan gets his shirt torn off as well as the cross torn off by by Andre, skewering the friendship between the two of them and setting up the match at WrestleMania 3. Irresistible force meeting the immovable object. This is one of those matches that everybody in wrestling history has definitely said is a huge marquee matchup because you could not have built it up any better. And Andre was one of those guys who, you know, nowadays when people, when we have, you know, big giants like Big Show and Braun Strowman, Luchasaurus, stuff like that, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, wow, he's really impressive, he's really tall, stuff like that. We go to Andre the Giant, he was a larger-than-life person as well as personality, because he was dubbed the, you know, was it like the eighth wonder of the world, if I'm not mistaken? He yes. was one of those guys who, in all honesty, there's so many stories about Andre that it's just amazing hearing that this guy can do so many things. And you just take the guy of this stature against this person who is half his size and is just way on this wave of popularity as well as momentum. And it's one of those things where it's like, you don't know exactly what's going to happen here. But don't take my word for it. Fred's, please, by all means, if you could add on, how monumental was this match going into WrestleMania 3? It, it was the two biggest stars in the company at the time. I mean, Andre the Giant had, had been in the WWE since, I think, the 70s, although he did a bunch of excursions to Japan where he... Well, he, he battled and lost to the likes of Antonio Anoki and Giant Baba. So the uh, that's why I kind of air-quoted, even though I didn't take video footage of this for 
well, Kings of the Rings do video footage for Patreon. I'm thinking of doing it one day, but I just didn't bother to hit record. That's so, right. yeah, this is just, this was the modern day, say, Rock and Hogan. Or, say, if we, if, if they saved, like, Roman versus Cena for a major pay-per-view and not, like, Fastlane or some shit, th- this is the, the two biggest people in the company, you know, Andre, you know, we've seen all the documentaries, we've seen all the specials, like, the Andre the Giant HBO special, highly, highly recommend, it's, it's a tough watch, because Andre had a tough, brief life, and just a bit of sideburn here, I, well, before we were getting ready here, I was watching this little Facebook video about uh, Big Show, and one of the reasons he wanted to get into such amazing shape is he wanted to outlive Andre because Andre was only 46 and Big Big Show I think is now about he might be pushing 50 he might be 48 or something but the one thing that really set him was was Cena and Cena they were talking about backstage about oh I'm gonna get into shape and ripped and have a giant with a six pack oh imagine that (laughs) and John Cena's like yeah Imagine that, a giant with a six-pack, and just walks away. And that really, like, set up, set Big Show's ass on fire. So, big ups to that. And now, back to Mania 3, not only was it monumental for having the two biggest stars in the company, this was in front of, at the time, the most record-setting uh, attendance in in, res- in World WrestleMania history. And, of course, it's air parentheses, because you, you get... Idiots like Meltzer would be like, actually, it was only like 82,700 in FDM. How many times have I had to block Meltzer and that other idiot from my timeline? <laughs> uh, Gold- Goldberg is going to win the Universal title because it's a bigger draw. Shut up. So 93,000 and some odd fans in, in the Superdome, brother. <laughs> Silverdome, brother. I was back in 1987 for a second, brother. <laughs> and, and you say Hogan was on a tear for three years Andre had not been pinned I mean Wrestlemania won he won the Body Slam Challenge match against Big John Studd Wrestlemania 2 the Battle Royal that featured you know NFL pe- uh, stars like uh, Refrigerator Joe Perry mm-hmm. and it was just this 20 person Battle Royal and we're thinking, okay, what's Andre going to do for WrestleMania three? And I think Andre, Andre and Hogan were really tight. <laughs> they, were, they were tight. They were good friends. And Big Show was saying, like, you know, uh, if you if you get Hogan talking about Andre, he'll just start crying because it's because, you know, he wanted Andre to take care of himself. Because that's why he was always hammered because he was. He, he wasn't taking proper care of himself. Like, I, I'm, I'm one to talk, I'm not, but I'm actually drinking a de-alcoholized beer, only 10 calories, so <laughs> I'm doing, so, doing something right. Yeah, check the temperature in hell, because Fred's is drinking near beer. <laughs> but, but this, um, I think this really shifted the momentum in the WWE for, for the upward trajectory, because one and two were, eh, in terms of success and ma- and mainstream uh, appeal, like WrestleMania two was, uh, it was a disaster because you were trying to 
emanate from three different places with, I don't know how they did it with 1986 technology. Right. Uh, I, I, I cannot, I cannot imagine. Like I remember in 1987, it's when I first laid my eyes on the Nintendo Entertainment System and played Super Mario Brothers 1 and thought that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. You know, fast forward, you know, to 2020, and I was just playing Red Dead 2. Uh, you know, uh, how, how, techn- how fast technology goes. And after WrestleMania 3, you had, oh, Hogan slammed Andre. Hogan defeated this man who is seven foot four. He is 500 pounds. What can't he do? Who can't he beat? So, of course, this... Uh, I'm going to go a little bit in time, but this set the course for February 1988, Saturday night's main event. Andre gets his win back uh, thanks to a bit of Bella uh, Bella Twin Magic and the Hebners and Ted DiBiase. Uh, it... This was what I think that really set the ball rolling for Hulkamania. I mean, 87, I was only three. But I remember, it's like, my cousin, Johnny, it's like, you know, the only words out of his mouth were King Kong Bundy and Hulk Hogan. So it uh, it definitely had the appeal. <laughs> and I'm going to just to quickly fast forward a bit later, because I think we're going to like 1991. I mean, the kids who had like Hulk Hogan shirts in my kindergarten class, like, a couple years after this it was astounding it was either Hulkamania or an Ultimate Warrior shirt and it's and that's what I think that brought, brought this helped bring people together and this was as I said before this is the mainstream appeal in wrestling this is also when guys like Hogan started getting more movie roles uh, lest we forget uh, Dookie oh, and God. No Holds Barred <laughs> Take a shot. And, you know, it, it actually is a pretty good transition because you talk about, you know, Hogan and Warrior. Uh, before before that, we, of course, had one of probably the most mixed-matched of pairings, but also probably one of the best pairings of all time. Randy Savage would win the WWE Championship in a one-night-only tournament at WrestleMania four. after which Hogan and Savage started teaming up, and they became... The Mega Powers, two of the most iconic stars in WWE, teaming up, taking on the likes of Andre and Million and Ted DiBiase, among so many other people. But of course, with all that fame, with all that success, comes a bit of jealousy, and of course, that actually had to come at the expense of Miss Elizabeth, because Randy did not like the fact that. Hogan was spending time with Elizabeth, or the fact that he was, you know, even talking to her. This caused Randy Savage to turn heel, and Hogan and Savage, the two people that created the Mega Powers, were on a collision course to battle against each other. And this started what would be true WrestleMania main events, because the story of Savage and Hogan was built so well, and they were kind of on similar rises, although for Savage... He already had some great success as a singles competitor, taking on guys like Ricky Steamboat, Tito Santana, uh, Ted DiBiase, all these people. And he was, you know, reaching Macho Madness to Hulkamania status. Once we reach WrestleMania 5, 
it turns into this absolutely hellacious and absolutely wonderfully memorable matchup between the two of them. Only Macho Madness would succumb to Hulkamania. Now, that would not deteriorate Randy Savage because a lot of people will still talk about Macho Madness to this day. But we would reach probably Hogan's second biggest challenge today, and that being WrestleMania Six, in which we see the ultimate challenge. And this is where we're going to catch up to speed, ladies and gentlemen, here with the ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan. And what do we know? We have a Canadian on the show. It took place in Canada. Eh? What an absolutely tremendous build going into this matchup. You have the Intercontinental Champion versus the WWE Champion in a match where it's winner-take-all, title-for-title. Fritz, why do you Canadians have all the fun matches? Uh, you guys have just as good ones. I mean, we've only had two WrestleManias. Yeah, you, you, know how damn good ones. <laughs> you know how pissed off I got when California got another freaking WrestleMania. Come, come on, uh, who's the mayor of Toronto? Last time I checked, the mayor of Toronto was Mel Lastman, and now he's like a furniture salesman on commercials on Canadian TV. <laughs> no, no, he was freaking, he was the mayor of Toronto during WrestleMania X8, I think, even before that. Damn. Anyways, uh, uh, Bank Place, you were bouncing for the Leafs game tonight. You can be bouncing for another WrestleMania and to finally bring it back to the Great White North. Hell, I'd take one in BC and fly out there. I'd take one in Montreal. Uh, they wouldn't do it in Montreal, bilingual. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I know people who were at this WrestleMania. I think, like, my neighbors might have been there. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if if my cousin Johnny was there, but I don't think he was. He would have told me this by now. Uh, maybe maybe his brother Rick was there. I, I, I don't know, but it's something that is just tattooed into, into the hearts and minds of Canadian wrestling fans. Like, you know, we're finally getting a WrestleMania, and how do we open WrestleMania? Rene Goulet singing the national anthem. Not Rene Goulet. He's a he's the guy that is a wrestler. Robert Goulet, singer. Oh, okay. Uh, anyways, it's just you, you had again, like WrestleMania three, two of the biggest stars in the company. You know, at this point in time, Andre was on his way. This was actually his last match with WrestleMania six. Kind mm-hmm. of a a tragic full circle moment here. Don't take a shot. Press that for Andre. Uh, yeah, the colossal connection with Haku against Demolition. And just the the atmosphere in this match, I think, can only be matched by the atmosphere that was at Rock Hogan. But, of course, that would be have to be for a totally different episode because that, that's a whole other story. Mm, yes. But, again, the another... I think they're both kind of these unstoppable forces or immovable objects. They're, no, the immovable object, I think, is something that is something one along the lines of a Braun Strowman or if you watched AEW last night, Wardlow, at least for a little bit. But, excuse me, uh, it was, again, like the, the power of Hulkamania, the power of, was it warrior wildness or warrior something? And something had to give. And again, another game-changing moment is the fact that you had both of your major titles on the line. We wouldn't see that. We wouldn't see this 
for WrestleMania wise ever again. Although I do believe that John Cena and HBK were the tag team champions in the in the main event at Chicago. Uh, no, they were at the Detroit one. Which hey, full circle. We were talking about the records that Detroit had until <laughs> until until WrestleMania twenty three came around, and even Sean's just like, I just drew that main people, brother, in Detroit. Have you done that? <laughs> it's, one of my, it's one of my favorite HBK moment commentary deals. Um, yeah, no, it's one of those matches that cannot be replicated. Even though I know we just had the kind of title for title winner take all situation at this past year's WrestleMania for, between Lynch, Charlotte, and Ronda, it still did not have the same feel as you know Hogan and Warrior. Because it was a natural build. It was something that that was going to eventually happen, but it was just one of those situations where we saw the build at Royal Rumble. These two guys were facing off against each other in that Rumble matchup, and they just stared at each other. And people are already just like, oh, what if we got this match? What if we got this? Vince obviously was just like, people love this. Let's make this our headline match at Mania. And it is one of those matches where... I think a lot of people thought that we were going to see Hogan pick up the victory. But in a shocking turn of events, Hogan goes for the leg drop. Warrior gets out of the way. Warrior hits his ultimate splash for the second time. One, two, three. The Warrior pins Hogan at WrestleMania. It's never happened in the history of WrestleMania. And it was a moment that so many people were probably even thinking, like, was that a miscount? No, Warrior won. Holy shit. And people are going crazy. And just that kind of passing of the torch between Hogan and Warrior was just absolutely phenomenal. It definitely showed that, you know, Hulkamania will indeed live forever, but it also realizes that there are other forces that may, in fact, be competitive with Hulkamania. Yep, and Warrior Wildness was one of them. And it was around this time to cross back over into a bit of the pop the pop culture uh Although, a few years before this, Hulk Hogan had starred in his own rock and wrestling cartoon, which is just absolutely awesome Saturday morning cheese. It was eighty nine ninety. I remember at this point in time, I finally kind of knew who Hulk Hogan actually was because of a little cartoon. Uh, oh, wait. I don't know if he was actually in this. I'm going to look this up uh, quite quickly. But there was a cartoon in the 90s called... Pro stars. It was these. Uh, it was athletes posing as uh, superheroes. And while while I researched this, it, it was um, Wayne Gretzky from the NHL, Bo Jackson, who is one of the very few successful uh, two sport athletes. He had a career in MLB. He had a career in um, NFL. And also one of the most unfair things you could play on tech. Tecmo Bowl, just saying. Hey, you're Bo Jackson. It's not fair, Peter. <laughs> Corner three. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a totally different game. Why can't I find uh, the Pro Stars cartoon? I swear I swear, Hogan was in this, but it was yeah, Wayne Gretzky, Bo Jackson, and I, I swear the third one might Oh, it was Michael Jordan, of course. Wow. Yeah, uh... I'm trying. I'm trying to see if it had Hulk Hogan in it, but my yes, it. Yeah, Jordan Gretzky and Bo Pro Stars 
he had to have had a cameo, but I, I might have just taken wrong notes. Uh, of course, the, the mainstream appeal of Hulk Hogan was at an all-time high here because we would see him take time off for movies between 91 and 92, but there is a moment in 1990 I want to touch on before, uh, actually after I get back into some of these movies, we had like Mr. Nanny, we had Suburban Commando, which also had The Undertaker, we had... Uh, of course, the aforementioned No Holds Barred. Uh, avoid that movie at all costs. <laughs> uh, if, if, if you want to watch a good wrestling movie, watch... Hmm. Is there a good... You know what? It's, it's early 2000s cheese. It's borderline insulting, but I still love Ready to Rumble. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, and also, I've I never seen the whole thing, but I've really wanted to watch Mickey Rourke's The Wrestler for years. It's worth the watch. So, we're going to take a quick commercial break, you guys. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Hulkamania, but going into WrestleMania 8, why did it start going a bit sour? We're going to talk about that, you guys, and so much more. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Hey everyone, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling, So Mal. You are listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Sending lots of love from California. What's going on, everybody? Do you remember the Monday Night Wars? You know, the quote-unquote greatest time in wrestling. Well, was it? Because this is Wrestle Wars, and in Wrestle Wars, we go and, or I go, Willie T, T Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K, goes down and breaks down week by week, month by month, pay-per-view by pay-per-view, every year of the fabled Monday Night War. I was right, WWF versus WCW with the sprinkled in ECW starting in January of 1996 all the way up to March of 2001 you will get a month by month breakdown of who won the Monday Night Wars what you can expect from this show monthly scoring system you got the mid card undercard and main event so who was actually going to win the Monday Night Wars you have to listen and find out on our $5 Patreon page it's only $5 guys you can watch along with me Willie T and enjoy the chaos that is the Monday Night Wars on Wrestle Wars. It is just absolutely great. It's really crazy to think that there are certain things that just never get old. And old-time rock and roll is one of those things that never gets old. Welcome back to the Game Changer Podcast, guys. A part of Wrestle Attic Radio. I'm Nate the Effing Great. He is the legendary Mr. Fretz. And be sure to check us out on our Twitters at the legendary JF, at Real Effing Game. And also check out everybody at Wrestle Attic Radio, at Attic underscore Wrestle where you can check out the Kings of the Rings podcast as well as the Young Lions Perspective podcast. And be sure to also check us out on our Patreon. we got a lot of great stuff coming up. We'll talk about that later on during the show. We are going back to talking about Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania. We just got done talking about his feud with the Ultimate Warrior. Now, he would go on to main event WrestleMania the following year against Sergeant Slaughter, which would be a bit of an interesting kind of, you know, 
uh, for, foreign sympathizer taking on the real American, which we had to start the show, uh, Hulk Hogan. So that was a matchup where it definitely was one of the better Hogan deals because the build basically is just, you know, America versus, you could basically say the rest of the world. I'm not going to just pick on a single country because that would just not be fair. But this is, I believe, the start of where Hulkamania started kind of losing a bit of its momentum. But before we get too deep into that, I know that, Fretz, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, this this 90 period because, well, honestly enough, what's actually crazy was that this was the year that I was born. And a few months later, we would see, well, actually, was it 91? Nope, 91. This would be 91, I apologize. Um, so I would be about a year old, and Undertaker had just reached his four-year anniversary, and he was going up against Hulkamania for the WWE Championship. Not exactly, you know, the same build as uh, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, but it still had a very interesting build, too. I actually do remember one of the promos that they had where Hogan was just talking about how The Undertaker is just going to... Paul Bear were just going to... Tr- be those kind of people that would just, you know, laugh as they throw the dirt into the Hulkamaniacs, you know, grave. And Undertaker had this really nice gem of a promo where he said, you know, there are no immortals on the dark side. There you will realize Hulkamania is dead. Just, this was just a very unique matchup that definitely does need a little bit of a highlight. So by all means, Fretz, what, 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 what can we say about this interesting feud? as well as the matches that these guys had. If I could go back one year just for two seconds. Okay. Because I, I, I have some great ones for, for, for oh, Taker. Oops. I, I, did, I did go a little too, too far. I do remember. We actually talked about this during commercial. Definitely, I want to talk about this too. <laughs> so the lead-up to SummerSlam 1990 was uh, Earthquake, Can- uh, the late John Tenta, Canadian, R.I.P., Vancouver, <laughs> from, uh, oh, I said, uh, <clears throat> Earthquake versus Hogan. So during the setup of this match, uh, Earthquake, of course, managed by Jimmy Hart, who would occasionally tag with uh, the late Dino Bravo, another Canadian, uh, jumped Hogan and did the, uh, I believe he called his finisher the Richter scale unofficially, you know, the, as OSW Review calls, the giant whoopsie, or the mudslide, if you will. The giant whoopsie? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a running bonsai drop. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, be, being the chubby guy, I would do that. I would be the one that had to do that to my friends when we were wrestling. And then they would uh, call me a Yokozuna and a fat ass and hurt my feelings. <laughs> Anyways, so during this whole time, you know, Hulk Hogan was quote-unquote injured and had, you know, like broken ribs or something. And it's like, you know... It wasn't quite along the lines of, you know, when Owen Hart insecurity Shawn Michaels and they're playing that cheesy music, like, you know, it's too hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Wasn't that song, but it was along that lines of pure 90s cheese. Uh, It's like uh, Typhoon, who was uh, wrestling as a tugboat and a baby face at this time. Just about a year before he would turn on, I forgot who he turned on to join the natural disasters, but Typhoon's like encouraging all the little Hulkamaniacs to write Hulk Hogan letters. And 
it would be it would be the address what I think would be the WWE's headquarters in Stanford. And there is years and years later, I think this is like two or three years ago, I'm on Twitter I'm on Twitter. I'm at my think I'm at my brother's house and this would have been when my nephew was an infant, so we're just hanging out, we're babysitting, we're having we're having a bubbly and I'm just going on my phone, going on Twitter and I see Hulk Hogan tweeted tweeted out his phone number and it was just something like I go to I go to my text this brother I go to my brother it's like hey Hulk Hogan's number what should I do (laughs) should I text it he's like oh you have to so I do it and I get one of those instant bot replies hey brother visit the Hulkamania shop in Daytona Beach Florida here is Hulk Hogan's merch page son of a bitch I've been had I, <laughs> I, I was gonna be like uh, no I wasn't gonna be I wasn't gonna be like that would have been like hey what's up brother uh, then it was and I, I, I think I got two messages from it and I'm like yeah I'm gonna block this before it just starts flooding my phone and nice. and uh, you know start starting cutting uh promos on me or something but it, it was fun so I, I think I know people who actually did who actually did this who wrote him letters and I think what he got in the mail was probably like a poster or or maybe or maybe some merch or what would have okay. been out in 1990 not wouldn't would not have been pogs quite yet but you would have had merch and toys and, and stuff so I thought that was really really neat yeah so, I actually did. Was, was I, cool. I did actually read up a little bit on that. I thought that was actually kind of cool that they try to incorporate something like that into a storyline. It actually does kind of show the popularity that Hulk Hogan kind of had, and the, I think that there was probably a lot of people that were just like, like, oh man, we should probably wish Hulk the best. There were probably like people that were just like wishing him well, and when they got stuff, they're just like, huh, no good deed goes unpunished, huh? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I just remembered. Richard actually talked about oh. talked about this on his podcast, and it was like this was a way to get the mailing list for the catalogs. Oh, that's that's devious, but that's also smart. I will admit that. Yeah, so, marketing. It, it is a pretty good marketing tool. So, yeah, there was a long time where Hogan just was battling against these big giant dudes, and he would try to topple them. Uh, and this would kind of brings us back to uh, the full circle there where we talk about The Undertaker. So he has this match with The Undertaker, but he's also feuding with Ric Flair, who's claimed that he's the real world's champion, so much so that he still had the WCW heavyweight title with him. And unfortunately, since they didn't have the legal rights, they had to basically try to, uh, basically try to censor that. But Ric Flair is basically trying to say to Hogan that, you know, hey, I'm the real world champion, and blah, blah, blah. This was supposed to build up between a match between Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 8. But before we even get you know too deep into that, uh, we got to definitely talk about this feud between Undertaker and uh, Hulk Hogan, because it was a bit interesting, because I think this is one of the few times where you do see somebody who is supposed to be like this monster mammoth of a human being actually get one up on Hulk Hogan. And I'm talking like sort okay, sorta of clean, we could say. <laughs> because uh the last time I think that Hogan had this 
the deal where he got lost, you know, lost, you know, cleanly, quote unquote, was against Andre the Giant. But this is one of the first few times where you actually see, you know, the one, two, three, and Hogan's shoulders were down. Uh, they even talk. I think even Undertaker talked about the story where uh, when Hogan got dropped on his head onto the steel chair, that it, that he was getting medical attention, stuff like that. People don't know if it was a work or if it was real. But uh, Undertaker would wind up winning the WWE Championship that day, but it only lasts for two days, three days, something like that. Because about they, a week, oh. Tuesday in Texas, I think was it was like six days after this. Oh, that's true. All right, so we fast forward to Tuesday in Texas, and what a catastrophe this was. I mean, they still had a really good match, but controversy ensues, where basically. Uh, Undertaker gets ashes thrown in his face by Hulk Hogan. Hogan does a roll-up, one, two, three. He's the champion again. The cha- the commissioner at the time, Jack Tiny, is just like, you know what, there's too much controversy going on with this stuff. We're just going to vacate the championship. And then we go to what a match that we saw, the 1992 Royal Rumble for the WWE Championship. Uh, I should also mention this, that a lot of times when I say WWE Championship, back then it was known as the WWF Championship. Um, So they had this 30-man battle royal, Royal Rumble, to determine who will be the WWE Champion. This is one of the points where you definitely do see a bit of Hulkamania getting a bit sour and the fans starting to actually want someone different than Hulk Hogan. Because... The final four of the match were Randy Savage, Sid, Hulk Hogan, and Ric Flair. Ironic how the final four would also coincide with the two main events of WrestleMania. I know, it's crazy. Uh, Savage got eliminated, then afterwards Sid would eliminate Hulk Hogan, and the reaction that, that that Sid got from that was huge. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, what's going on here? Why is why are people cheering for the fact that you know their hero Hulk Hogan is starting to, you know, got eliminated? He lost his chance at the WWE Championship, uh, and it does kind of continue to. It's it's really interesting because I think that in the eighties, that kind of repetition would work, but once we get into the nineties, you definitely do see that people want something. A lot different. And in the early ages, in the 90s, we start seeing that. And it definitely starts right here at 92's Royal Rumble. But in honesty, let me ask you this, Freds. Were people starting to get were, were people starting to get annoyed by this? Were they just kind of over Hogan at this point? Or were they just kind of happy to see somebody else, you know, somebody else do, doing this stuff? What, what do you think your theory was on this? I think around... Somewhere between 90 and 91 that the fans were starting to get tired of Hogan, starting to sour on him a little bit. And I don't think Eddie was more evident than at at Survivor Series 91. I mean, you, you finally had, I think, uh, what's the word? Like a viable, a legitimate threat to the, uh, to the Hulkster. Because you had The Undertaker, who's this invincible, dead... Well, at this point in time, he was like an undertaker, a dead cat. He looked like a dead cowboy. So he had this mystique and aura about him that I think Hulk Hogan, excuse me, had 
had before because, you know, Hogan must pose, pal, and Hogan was also kind of, quote-unquote, invincible, and he hadn't been pinned. Pardon me, pardon me again. Hadn't been pinned, I don't think, since Andre. And before that, I think it had, you had to go back to his run in the AW, well, I'm not going to count his AWA run, but yeah, the, the mystique was wearing off, and Undertaker was the new, the new kid on the block, the new cool toy. He was the new appeal. So when Taker beat him, there was a huge, a huge pop. I mean, this is one of those pay-per-views I had the live feed of, too, thanks to my neighbor. And there was a huge pop for Taker as well. He was getting to be very popular. And it's like, oh, Hogan again. Uh, uh, okay. 92. I think it was it was that. It was fans were like, okay, let's move on from Hogan. We love him, but there's this new guy named Sid. Look at this guy. And I, I was a giant Sid fan, so all up for that. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because this will transition into... Uh, his early days in WCW because Hogan is just reaching the point now where he's realizing that, you know, he's kind of getting burnt out. He's kind of just thinking, you know, my time here is done. Then he signs on with, you know, Ted Turner's WCW Nitro. And what people can really say about the Hulkamania deal in the early days was that it was basically just him rehashing some of the stuff that made him popular in the WWF where he would battle against a giant. Basically, ironically enough, named the giant. Some people say, oh, he's the son of Andre the Giant. There's no proof of that. Don't don't even try. Uh, he tried. They tried bringing you know, the Mr. T deal. They wanted to do a deal with uh, Ultimate Warrior, but unfortunately, Warrior was just thinking, no, I'm not ready to come back yet. So they had... Oh gosh, what, what was the what was the name of that wrestler again? The uh, the Yeti. Oh, was it the no? I was no. I was thinking the Knockoff Warrior. Uh, oh gosh, what it's, was it? Oh, the Renegade. Renegade. Thank you. They tried doing the whole deal with the Renegade, but obviously that didn't last that long because Warrior was just like, "Hey, you can't use my persona, man. You can't do that. No, 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 no." So it just kind of stuck for him there. So around this time, it definitely was getting back to, you know, the whole apparent deal that you were mentioning, that people had already seen this stuff with Hogan. They've already seen everything that you could possibly imagine Hulk Hogan could do, and now they're just basically being like, oh, you may have not seen this back in the 80s. We're going to bring it back to to light in the 90s. Why was this a stupid idea? Uh, because money, and Tur- Turner wanted to win the war... I mean, this was, bef- this was before the war. Wait, was it 95? I don't know what year it was, but your main event of Starcade, your WrestleMania, was Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I do remember that. <laughs> that was... This, this Dungeon of Doom, brother. Oh, oh, oh God, no. Cue the the Yeti <laughs> and Kamala and Earthquake people that Hulk Hogan already pinned the WWE. How did Nitro win the wars back then? Before before the NWO, I mean, NWO, they killed it, but how did they win it before the NWO? Woof. I, I have honestly no idea. So people were definitely getting tired of that. Uh, 
Hogan would eventually turn heel and create the NWO, but we're not going into that because we believe that the NWO deserves an entire podcast in and of itself. So we're going to be actually skipping that part, going fast forwarding all the way to 2002. Hogan makes his triumphant return to the WWE. He has the match with The Rock. Again, that's a match itself that just deserves a podcast all by itself. After he would Hollywood Hogan, he turns back into Hulk Hogan, the Hulkamania deal. He goes to battle against Triple H for the WWE Undisputed Championship, I should say. He goes on to win that, and people were excited for that. People were kind of enjoying that. Uh, maybe it was because of the fact that it was different. It was something that they didn't see from Hulkamania. Unfortunately, that would only be lasting not too long because a month later, uh, The Undertaker would take the title off of Hogan. Then we get into WrestleMania 19's build-up. This I kind of want to talk about because it's interesting. So basically, they bring up a lot of the personal deals that happened between Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. The trial that Vince had against him and against the company for the steroid allegations and everything like that. Uh, Basically talking about how Hogan walked out of WWE to join WCW, to join the competition. And they have this matchup where basically it's like, you know, who created Hulkamania? Who did this? Because why not? I will say this, that I actually listened to the uh, Ruthless uh, Aggression Era podcast. Shout out to them. And I did. T- they did talk a bit about the. Uh, it was the No Way Out 2003 review, and just the whole deal where Vince McMahon just comes comes out with the, uh, with the weird shirt where it says "Brother Sucks" for whatever reason. <laughs> um, it's really, really interesting, and I will say this: that this was one of those deals where the buildup was interesting. The match at WrestleMania between Vince and Hogan which I'm sure was just a blessing for both of them, because then they could both just beat the ever-living crap out of each other, was actually a pretty pretty, pretty strong, strong matchup, to be honest. You see these guys just literally beating the absolute hell out of each other. Vince McMahon did a freaking leg drop off a ladder. You'll never see that again in his entire career. And just the... Also, also before we had Keith Lee, uh, we had Vince McMahon bloody face and all, he's just peering up from the corner of the ring. He has the lead piping. He just has that smile. I think we needed to have like a caption contest to see which one would win, the Keith Lee one or the Vince McMahon one. That, that's going to be a tough one to choose between the two of them. Uh, ultimately, Hulk Hogan would pick up the victory, proving that he is the great person who created Hulkamania and blah, blah, blah. Then we, t- then we have the deal with Mr. America, which, oh, God, that... That was stupid. We're yep. We're deleting that one. We're deleting that one. So, I've I've talked a lot about you know his deal, his run from two thousand and two to two thousand and three. Do you have anything to add as far as this run goes, Mister Fretz? Was there anything really good that came out of this, or anything horrible other than that? Oh, geez, that really horrible promo by <laughs> by Hogan. Oh gosh, I forgot about that. Oh. Mr. America? No, no, no. The uh, the one where he just screwed up every single line. Hmm. That was just yeah. that was a rough one. Yeah, 
Yeah, let's let's uh, let's put a delete on that one as well. I have a few things. Uh, the one thing I think I was listening to. It might have been the Ruthless Pod, but it might have also been the UK Ruthless Pod with, uh, oh man, uh, with, with Richard, with uh, Dave Burnham, shout, okay. shout out to him and Big Sexy. Uh, both of the Ruthless Pods are amazing and it's just such a good palate cleanser for this, actually, for this actual show because we talk a little bit about Ruthless. So... Going into the backlash match with Triple H, uh, Triple H was doing this interview, and he's basically saying, you know, that it means a lot that he's facing a piece of his childhood. But if he has to kill a piece of his childhood to retain the title, then he will. And I thought that that was a just a great pro. Well, backlash O Two is kind of an underrated show. It's one of the last uh, co-branded non-big fours because I think Judgment. No, Judgment Day was too, but Judgment Day, his match against Taker was awful. I mean, this is nowhere near as good as their other encounters. Both were a little slower. Hogan couldn't take really good bumps. So watch the choke slam that oh, Hogan yeah. takes in this match. It is disgusting and deplorable. But one good thing about Hogan in this era is that he was putting over the stars. I mean, he tapped out to Kurt Angle. He put over Brock Lesnar and that symbolic Brock Lesnar taking the blood of Hulkamania and rubbing it on himself. Yeah, that's right. Signifying the death of Hulkamania, despite the fact we would see him wrestle a little bit more throughout 03. Everything about the Hogan-McMahon match was just so damn entertaining. Everything in there from the peering over the ropes to Roddy friggin' Piper coming back. <laughs> I forgot about that, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching this uh, uh, in, my, in my buddy Dave's basement uh, with with his dad, and he's just, he sees Roddy Piper. I, I look over at Carl, I see, he, we see Roddy Piper, he's speechless, he's just like, oh my gosh. And this was also pre, like, Dirt, well, dirt cheese have always been around, but pre me getting into them, although I don't, okay. I still hate myself for getting into them, but no one saw Piper's return coming. It's like, where has he been other than calling Vince Russo a murderer on TNA? Uh, that happened. Like, he said it to his face. Uh, yikes. Uh, and the, the feud itself kind of fizzled out because of that Mr. America bullcrap, but. The lead-up from, like, No Way Out to Mania was was just perfect. And I loved how they brought in a little bit of real life into the kayfabe when they brought the steroid. We didn't even talk about the steroid trial. That would have been a, a big, uh, not an episode in of itself, but an, an interesting part to talk about. But it's... I think that can definitely be a podcast of itself. But, you know, depicting between... Uh, reality and fiction, and why sometimes bringing in reality can make the fiction that much more enjoyable. So that could definitely be a future topic. Oh, absolutely, and just it, we have our, we have our, it, we have our first deal for that. <laughs> yeah, it's it, that that I think that trial was another game changer <laughs> moment <laughs> in and of itself because. I mean, obviously, some wrestlers still juice today. They probably do. I wouldn't be surprised if that big 
muscle head from Impact didn't juice. Uh, oh, you mean Willie T's favorite wrestler? <laughs> yeah, Brian Cage, yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, was, I thought you were talking Scott Steiner. Oh, he still does it. <laughs> no, but it, it kind of brought about a bit of change in well, in the locker room, because, well, what we were replacing with steroids, but everything else, and then other stuff that changed after that was losing a couple of prominent wrestlers to certain deaths, but Mm -hmm. that's that's nothing to talk about, but Hogan, just, what an interesting career, because we've had, you know, the WCW part, the early part of WCW was trying to capture the magic of the 80s Hulkamania for a ratings ploy. That yeah. didn't work. In comes NWO. Like, that that goes all to Bischoff. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about when we get to what we listen to part, but Hall and Nash were on After the Bell. Highly recommend. Okay. And they said it's, it's Bischoff. So, yeah, that, that's just an interesting career. 0304 didn't have much, so there's... Not much other than a couple of cameos after that. So, Well, I, I, I will say this. We're going to take one final commercial yeah. break, and yes. when we come back, we're going to talk about my experience with Hulkamania and probably, in all honesty, I would say probably his last bit of good stuff that he gave to professional wrestling. But we'll talk about that in just a bit, you guys. So stay tuned. We'll be back after this break. What's going on, everyone? This is the Kate Murphy of Kings of the Rings podcast, and you're listening to the Game Changer podcast only on Wrestle Addict Radio. Let's face it, folks. I can be in some better shape, and this year, I'm going to make a commitment to it. My name is King Ricky Rose, General Manager of Wrestle Addict Radio, and I want you guys to join our Patreon and follow me and my fellow constituents on our journey into better mental, and more importantly, better physical health join us in our journey to get back into ring shape where each episode we will tell you about our progress um on the matter and what a ring shape really means to us so join patreon.com access wrestling radio click subscribe and just for five dollars a month you can follow our journey as we get back into ring shape now enjoy the rest of your show why Vince McMahon doesn't use this theme song. I think it fit him very well. Very out of touch and has no relevancy. Welcome back to the Game Changer Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am Nate. He is Fred. We're going to be finishing up our deal on Hulkamania. And honestly, guys, this is where 
I got in touch with Hulkamania. This was around the time where I started being a fan. Uh, in 2005, I got the chance to see the induction of Hulk Hogan among so many other great people like you know Nikolai Volkov, Iron Sheik, Roddy Piper, uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, just just to name a few. Um, and I just remember the electricity that was going on through that. And it's just kind of one of those things where, like, wow, Hogan's actually a really big-time name. And I got a chance to watch some of his like, classic stuff where he would do his facial moves, stuff like that. And one thing that everybody was asking from Hulk Hogan was one more match. And that is something that has been a trend for years and years to come. Uh, uh, some of which we thoroughly enjoyed and others which we kind of wish we did not have um sorry Brett but that was not good <laughs> so we fast forward just a little bit and we have Shawn Michaels coming out and he is feuding with probably one of the most magnificent heat magnets we will ever have in this generation that being the Muhammad Hassan and Davari characters, he's basically being told, you are going to have a tag team matchup at Backlash. You find a partner, you got the match. You don't find a partner, you got no match. And automatically I'm thinking to myself, well, it's probably going to be like Rhino or somebody like that. Uh, little did I know that this was setting up for something absolutely beautiful where we would have Shawn Michaels have the line of, if I have to pick a tag team partner... I want that tag team partner to be Hulk Hogan. So, le weeks leading up, we have Muhammad Hassan and Davari. They're basically beating up on Sean. Hogan comes out, beats down on both of them, and the match is set. Hogan and Michaels against Muhammad Hassan and Davari at Backlash. In all honesty, not the best tag team matchup, considering that Hulk Hogan didn't get a chance to really hit his finisher, but whatever. Uh, Hogan would pin Davari after Sean hits a sweet chin music, and that would seemingly be it. That was probably the last bit we would see from Hulk Hogan until we get a camera view. Sean pulls Hogan over, and he mouths to him, how about one more match? And Hogan's just like, one more match? I'll think about it. Uh, then we fast forward a couple weeks later. It's a six-man tag team match where we have Christian Tyson Tomko and Chris Jericho battling against WWE champion John Cena, who got drafted from SmackDown, Shawn Michaels, and as Shawn Michaels put it, the one, the only, the immortal Hulk Hogan. And this is where I got more of what I was hoping for from Hulk Hogan. We got the classic, you know, him hulking up, him doing, you know, the big boots, uh, leg drop to Tyson Tomko. That was great. Uh, he would go on to also face off against uh, Carlito and Kurt Angle at in a tag team matchup later on. But this is where we get the moment where a lot of people still are quite, you know, kind of getting goosebumps when they think about this. Hogan and Michaels, they're celebrating. And Hogan does like, you know, hey, A-okay. Turns around. Bam! Sweet chin music from Shawn Michaels. And this sets up Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam. Now, we're going to definitely talk a lot about this during the NWO podcast, but 
during this time, there was supposed to be a series of matches between Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan. I think they were doing like a best of three or something like that. Uh, unfortunately, though, there was creative powers from a certain brother, brother, brother that caused this to basically reduce down to one, and the other, and this person had to go over. So, be that as it may, Shawn Michaels was kind of carrying the rivalry in and of itself and being the absolute douchiest heel that you could possibly think of. The whole deal at in Toronto where he's singing, you know, Oh, Canada, I really hate this place. And then teasing Brett the Hitman Hart was just... Absolute gold, especially him just going, got your hopes up just a little bit, didn't I? <laughs> oh, Fretz remembers that moment. I'm just kidding. I'm number one, apparently. Um, Hogan's number one, brother. <laughs> Michael's. Fair enough. Um, so, Sean is just basically healing it up. We get to the match itself, and it's just a bit of a cluster because Sean's in for himself, and he's doing these crazy moves. He's just taking everything that he can and just going over the top. Uh, Hogan gets busted open during this matchup. Hogan gets also a sharpshooter, but it's probably one of the worst sharpshooters that I've ever seen in my entire life. Sharpshooter. Uh, oh, jeez. And Hogan, he you know, hulks up. He does the move. Shawn Michaels, he just oversells it, hits the leg drop. One, two, three. Hogan gets the victory. And we get a nice little show of respect from uh, HBK and Hogan. From there, in honesty, guys, this, the, the, despite the creative deals, I still consider this to be one of Hogan's bat last bits of uh, greatness because he was definitely at his finest. He was definitely there for nostalgia. He was definitely there to create some memorable matches. He had some great feuds with certain people. We even got like a freaking uh, callback when Kurt Angle and Hulk Hogan had the match on Raw. That was great. But after that, we do see a lot of his sporadic appearances, like Fretz was saying, uh, for WWE television. Uh, he had one matchup with Randy Orton, which, God, I want to forget that because Randy should have won that. He had a couple matches in TNA, which are oh, sometimes they're just painful to watch. And by sometimes, I mean a lot of times they're painful to watch. Finally, Hogan is saying, you know, okay, I'm just going to, you know, do, you know, just do more like the backstage roles, stuff like that. Still had some creative power deals, but again, we're going to talk about that in the NWO show. All right, so we talked a lot about Hogan, talked a lot about, you know, the impact that he has. So let's mention this the kind of impact that Hulkamania had on us as wrestling fans. I'll say this, that in 2005, I didn't even know what Hulkamania was. I was just kind of thinking, who is this guy, who it does? And now, looking back at it, I definitely do see the amount of history that Hulkamania has had on professional wrestling. A lot of it has been good. I would dare say about 80 to 90% of Hulk Hulkamania's run has been pretty good. Obviously, the other 10% is where it's been bad, but it has benefited so many people, and there's so many people that have definitely felt a positive impact from you know Hulk Hogan, the fact that maybe there's so many people that are just saying, you know, 
I listened to what he said when I was a kid, you know, saying my prayers, eating my vitamins, training, doing all that kind of stuff, and just absolutely creating something wonderful. So, like we said at the start of the show, we are here to talk about Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania. It definitely does have a bit of a positive impact on wrestling. Fretz, what, what are your feelings towards, you know, Hulkamania overall? Well, I think it had a tremendous impact on on the WWE and really helped them out of, uh, I don't want to say they were in a funk in the 80s. Like, the NWA and the WWE were both just kind of neck and neck. And, you know, for a while, Hogan helped the WWE in that, uh, not brand war, because it didn't really become a war, quote, parentheses, until... Ted Turner got involved, and dare I say, until Hogan went to the other company. Uh, personally, Hogan's not in my top ten, but he's so- someone I've always thought has had a tremendous impact on n- not not the WWE, but the industry itself. So, as I said before, had it not been for things like you know Hogan, Rock and Wrestling, so that that includes you know like McMahon, Hogan, Captain Lou, Mister T, Cindy Lauper. Uh, all all of these things roll up in a little ball. It I don't know how much of re- what wrestling would be like would be like today. He's he's a pioneer, and you know, love him or hate him, you know, he personally he can be a bit of a uh, racist dick bag, but it's it's almost impossible to overlook the impact he he had. You know, for for fans, as I said, everyone on the, I had a lot of friends in the playground who had who had like the Hogan T-shirt and the figures and and the you know the VHS movies and all that. It's Hogan. I think he he's he's a Mount Rushmore for sure. And yeah, his 05 run HBK's overselling was the greatest part of it just <laughs> outrageous because HBK knew and say okay I'm he, he was going to sabotage it so Hogan's one of the greats he definitely is alright guys so that is going to conclude this week's uh, game changing moment or as well as character whatever we want to call it for that uh, so we wanted to talk a little bit briefly about some of the things that we enjoyed throughout this week of wrestling frets. I've done a lot of the talking, so why don't you tell us, what were some of the things that you enjoyed from this week in wrestling? Well, I'm going to talk about that on a separate uh, show, something okay. I'm going to be so, something I'm going to be working in a little bit, but okay. I'll just say that NXT TakeOver was amazing, and if I can get one thing out of it, of course, is Jardy Gargano, but his attire, if I may make a mention of it, I thought it looked a lot like Carnage because, of course, we're getting Venom 2 this year with Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage. Oh, man, Symbiote Saga, my we're, favorite. We're, we're, fan, we're fanboying out right now. So, <laughs> uh, Okay, uh, forgive me while I fan myself with this Ninja Turtles Valentine my nephew got me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, so, that's, that's sweet. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I, I also looked at it and thought, this looks like the demon, and knowing what we know later in the show, I think there was some kind of impact there. Oh, and 
by proxy, the fiend changed Johnny Gargano. <laughs> so, That's awesome. So wrestling podcast wise, of course, uh, today at work, uh, I was cleaning out the meat room, so I got to be tucked away in there. And I put on after the bell of Corey Graves, and he had on uh, Hall and Nash. And this morning, up from my walk, listening to uh, the Kings of the Rings, of course. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And Hashtag that, I miss that, Queen B. It was my... Was that? Oh, yeah. Get back soon, Queen B. Galentine's Day is bullshit. Galentine's <laughs> Day is the best. Shut up. I'm on Queen Just, B's side because she, cause she, cause they are amazing. I mean, come on. Let, let, uh, oh, by the way, I'm just kidding. Leslie Nope. I mean, how, how can I... <laughs> How could I stay mad at Leslie Nope? She is my BFF. Uh, other than that, it was my usual story 2010 and and all of that. Uh, the cage match, that moonsault, Cody almost missed, but... Oh, uh, that scared me good. You know, honestly, I actually got the chance to watch both NXT and AEW this week, and... I will say this, I actually started off with the, with uh, NXT this week, and I loved a lot of the stuff that they did. I loved the Cruiserweight title match between Jordan Devlin and Leo Rush. That was amazing. Uh, the fact that Chelsea Green and the Robert Stone brand are had their relaunch, and it was successful, that was great. I do question the finishing move that Chelsea Green hit, because it looked like she was going to go for the Young Prettier, but it looked like a reverse version of it. So that kind of threw me for a loop. So I don't know if that was intentional or if that was unintentional. Who knows? That was a, that was a botch, man. <laughs> that, it just it was like wait wait what what happened? <laughs> but I, I I loved that and honestly everything that went on during this week. You mentioned AEW. We're going to be doing an NXT uh, NXT AEW prediction show next week. It's going to be the entire show. We're going to talk about the matches. We're going to talk about the build up as well as give our predictions for that. That's going to be awesome. Uh, oh gosh, I'm looking forward to next weekend too. Getting the chance to go to uh, AW Revolution, and I'm also going to be taking a friend, a friend of mine, who this is going to be her, her first AEW event ever going to it, and she is loving Darby Allen. So seeing Darby Allen uh, last night as we were recording this, it was great. I. I actually even made a comment where I said, I think I made a poll if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to have to check to see if even anybody uh, even answered on this. Like, whose cue cards are better? Darby Allen's or uh, Sammy Guevara's? It's a toss-up. It's a, I don't know. For me, it's a toss-up between the two of them. Because I've met Sammy Guevara. He's absolutely great. And the fact that we also got to do a tug-of-war in, in one of our photos, that was just awesome. I still have to post... I think I have to post that up yet now. Because I think I've had at least... Five people do a tug of war with me for a championship belt. People are just jealous because I'm a belt bro. Hashtag Dusty Dave is awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And definitely, you guys, check out the uh, Wrestle Attic Radio's Instagram because I will be posting up pictures as well as videos of the stuff that's going on at AW Revolution. So don't miss out on that. I'll also post it up on my Instagram as well. But it's going to be first in the uh, WrestleLatic Radio's Instagram before getting into mine, because I need to get I need to get some content on there. I need to be that. I need to stop being selfish. So, game changer of the week. This was one that I was thinking throughout the day, like, oh shoot, I got I got picked that today. That's right. And for me, it is in honor of Black History Month, but also you can't really overlook this guy. 
I chose Kofi Kingston. This is a guy who worked through so many different gimmicks. He's worked through so many different complications in his career. And by complications, I mean one complication in Vince McMahon, damn it. Because he started off as just this Jamaican superstar, and then there was the moment where he just dropped the accent, and everybody's just like, wait a minute, did this just happen? And it's not until Triple H called it out that it's like, oh shit, he actually did drop it. <laughs> uh, his feud with Randy Orton definitely started catapulting him to that point, to where he was going to be a main event level star, and then just got cut off. And it took him so many years to get to that point again. That finally, you know, this past year, WrestleMania, the build-up to him facing Daniel Bryan is just always great. I always love watching the uh, Imagine Dragons th- uh, song Monster with the build-up to Kofi Kingston getting to that point. It's just, it's just great. It's one of those things where... You look at the WWE version where they had Daniel Bryan do it. It's one of those things where it's like, this is still a pretty good show. And then you see the one with Kofi Kingston, and it's like, Kofi Kingston had it better. This was a better one. I'm sorry, it just it just was so much better. Because, you know, Daniel Bryan had won the WWE Championship so many, a uh, couple times actually, before, you know, uh, WrestleMania 30. Kofi Kingston never really got that many chances. And he finally got the opportunity to go one-on-one with the WWE Champion, at WrestleMania, I was lucky to be there live for it. It was amazing. It was one of the best moments of that entire WrestleMania. And you know the impact that it had on so many different people. Uh, there's a video of you know Shad and MVP. They're watching it and they're just smiling. They're applauding. And so many other people are just loving the fact that Kofi is the champion. Yes, his title reign was cut at the stupidest way possible. Psych. Sorry, I had a little Adam Blompier moment there. Um, but Kofi is still one of the most decorated and gifted athletes in WWE. And thankfully, he's going to be a part of that long list of people who have been WWE champion. And the first African-American WWE champion. That is absolutely a great pick. Uh, Kofi is someone I've always loved. Just so positive and so damn talented. That Brian match, edge of my seat the whole time. The fact is that he also defended the WWE Championship more times than I think I can remember. Because he had quite a few matches on uh, SmackDown, including, I think, a triple threat that featured Sami Zayn, if I'm not mistaken. So we got that beautiful deal. Uh, some people might say, but his matches with Dolph Ziggler and Yagi stuff was stupid. It's like, so what? I was enjoying it. I was completely. I, I was. I was enjoying it, and the whole thing with him and Kevin Owens, beautiful. Then we got that whole. We finally got the freaking full circle moment with him and Randy Orton. It finally happened. We cannot ask for anything more. Damn it, <laughs> Kofi accomplished so much in his reign. He really did, and it was amazing. It's honestly. Can I? Can I be bold as to say that I loved his reign more than the AJ Styles reign that he had a couple years ago? agree. Thank you. (laughs) Alright, so before we head out, guys, we'd like to do this, and it is per tradition. Fretz, you do have the question of the week. It could be random, it could be something that's on your mind, whatever the hell you want. Okay, so barring death, what was your first 
wrestling-related heartbreak, be it, you know, heel turn, a release, a title loss, whatever. Ooh, that is a good one. First wrestling heartbreak. Oh, man. I'm trying to think about this. To be honest, I think I might have to go back to when when Evolution... No, no, no. Actually, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. I was going to say when Evolution beat down Eugene, but I was thinking, no, that's that wasn't that wasn't as impactful. Uh, you know what? I think when it comes down to like just absolute shock value, and just one of those things that really kind of just tore me up inside, I definitely would have to say the Eddie Guerrero heel turn on Rey Mysterio in 2005. That was something that I did not see. That was something that just that just hurt in the court. And you're just like, why would you do this, Eddie? Why, why would you just, you know, why would you turn on Ray? And then he followed up with that just phenomenal promo the following week where he's just got Ray Mysterio's mask in his hand and he's just screaming at it, Do you think that makes me happy? I didn't want to do it, Ray. Why'd you make me do it? It's just one of those things where it's like, this is a guy who he literally said was like his brother. It's like family. Just seeing that, it's just, oh, it tears me up inside just to see that. It was, it was, it was hard. So I think that was probably the most, the very first time I felt like heartbreak in professional wrestling. Uh, but I want to, I want to ask you the same thing because since I revealed, what was the first heartbreak for you in professional wrestling? That is a very, very tough question. Oh, let's see. Bret Hart, although I'm a Canadian, I won't, I won't say this one. Although being Canadian, Bret Hart kind of turning his back on the American fans was, if I could put my shoe on the on the red, white, and blue foot, I could see it. Maybe, although it didn't, oh my goodness, no. Uh, I, I would have to say, this was way later, but... Stone Cold Steve Austin's last match, and he had to retire WrestleMania 19. Man, that is that is a tough one to top top two. That's oh gosh, that's that is amazing. All right, so guys, that has been the newly formatted Game Changer Podcast episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Uh, by all means, let us know what you guys would like for us to talk about as far as game changing moments. Uh, we actually do have a list of things that people want for us to talk about and we will definitely be covering them throughout the year so be sure to let us know what you have to say be sure to let either myself know at real F and game or mr frets at the legendary jf or by all means let us know on the wrestle attic radio twitter as well at attic underscore wrestle and while you're over there by all means check out kings of the rings as well as the young lions red uh, perspective they are absolutely great. They're absolutely phenomenal. Just check them out. It's absolutely great. And be sure to also, if you haven't done it already, why not give us a few few of your monies? Give us a little bit of the dough. By all means, $5 on Patreon is going to get you exclusive content that you do not want to miss out on. I know that my co-host, Mr. Freds, just launched another fantastic 20 Bell Salute, which is always wonderful to hear. We have great content like Ring Shape that King Ricky talks about with other people about getting back into shape and 
honestly, guys, we may be featured on that show, so you definitely do not want to miss out on that. And also, the debut episode of Love and War was this past week on Valentine's Day with Kate Murphy and King Ricky, where they talked about relationships, they talked about certain aspects of, you know, how hard it is kind of to be in a relationship, also some of the joys, but it is something that you guys definitely don't want to miss out on, because who knows, we might be featured on it, there might be some, one of you might even be featured on it, you just never really know, so definitely, if you have $5 that's just sitting around, put it to good use, Give it to us on our Patreon. You will not be disappointed because we'd love to keep wrestling real, but we also love to give back to the fans who support us for all this time. So, for Mr. Fretz, I've been Nate the Effing Great. Be sure to tune in next week where we'll be talking about AEW Revolution. Our prediction show will be next week. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And also, Chris Jericho, you gotta give your Canadian fans something to enjoy. Send the bubbly up to the Great White North. They need it. They demand it. Make it happen. I'm just saying. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will talk to you guys next week. Who feels a little cold in here? Oh, that's just Remedy. Never mind. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.